Welcome to the Light Shine Church Sermon Podcast. I'm organizing pastor Rob Douglas, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to our weekly message. Well, good morning, everyone. Good to see your faces and names and be together for worship. Uh, Today, we are continuing our sermon series on climate change, the changing climate. And today we're going to do so by reflecting on a psalm. There are 150 psalms in the Bible, and these are really uh, just prayers of different kinds. There are prayers of gratitude, prayers of praise, prayers of confession, prayers of uh, people seeking help, seeking guidance, and there are prayers of lament. Today we're going to focus on a prayer of lament. It's Psalm 13. Now I'll confess to you that I've always been a little more comfortable with the prayers, the Psalms of gratitude and praise over the ones of lament. I just find them a little easier because the Psalms of lament address what is most difficult in life. Sometimes what is most painful and things that are wrong that need to be made right. And this can be really hard, uncomfortable to think about. But it's a good thing these prayers are in the Bible because sometimes there is a lot to lament. Sometimes we need words that help us direct our lament, our complaint to God. As is the case with climate change, there is much to lament just this week on Monday, you may have heard that the NOAA, the National Oceanic Atmospheric Administration, announced that we've reached a new plateau, a new record of carbon dioxide in our Earth's atmosphere. Carbon dioxide, as you may know, is driving climate change. And the new record was that last month in May, they recorded out in Hawaii. 419 parts per million of carbon dioxide, CO2, in the Earth's atmosphere. This is the highest it's been, they said, in 4 million years. There is much to lament. So let's turn to the scripture, but before we do so, let's pray. Oh God, we turn to the scripture to turn toward you, seeking for your love, your spirit, to illumine our understanding for how we might live. So Lord, we pray that you would lead us, lead us along your way. Or we pray it together in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to start with the first four verses. Here they are on the screen for us. The psalmist writes, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day long? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep the sleep of death and my enemy will say, I have prevailed. My foes will rejoice because I am shaken. 
the psalmist begins and repeats the refrain, how long, O Lord, how long? Well, whoever wrote this prayer, this psalm was clearly in distress about something big. It's clearly weighing on him. And by the way, we don't know if it was a him or a her, but this psalm is attributed to King David. So I'm just going to go with him and refer to it in as if he were a male. The psalmist here is suffering and he blames God for part of his struggle. He clearly feels forgotten, ignored by God. He's pleading here for God's attention, God's help. As I was reflecting on this, I was imagining a child who is ready to go home after church has ended. Anybody remember this? <laughs> These days, the child is ready for lunch, but the parent is in a good conversation, not ready to leave church. I know in my family, our children have many memories of this experience. <laughs> the child's begging and pleading for the attention of the parent, maybe pulling on their clothes, ready to go home, but the parent is engrossed in a good conversation. Well, this is the experience of the psalmist. He's begging for God's attention. He also talks about wrestling in his heart, feeling sorrowful, afraid he's going to die, and that the enemy, he says, may win. This is heavy. Uh, now, we don't know what this enemy is or who it is. We have to use our imaginations. It could be that he's physically in danger. Maybe a person or a group of people are coming after him. It could also be that the enemy lies within. Maybe he's battling something within his own soul. Uh, maybe like an addiction, something like that. Maybe the enemy is actually the psalmist himself. Whatever or whoever it is, this is a prayer of deep anguish, intense pain and sorrow. And these are words of despair, but words directed toward God in the prayer in, in, as a prayer of lament in hopes that maybe God will help him out. Well, as we reflect on our rapidly changing climate, and as we come to terms with our part in the devastation of it, I can't help but hear this song in a little bit different way. I wonder if some of these words perhaps give voice to God's lament, to God's grief, despair, sorrow, uh, over what we humans have done or doing to the creation. Is it possible that God's heart is filled with sorrow as the wildfires come, as the ice caps melt? And do some of these words maybe give voice to God's plea toward us? Is God trying to get our attention, but we're distracted or just not paying attention? Might God be saying, how long, my people? How long are you going to continue on this path? How long before you change your ways? How long before you remember who you are? The ones I made to care for the creation. How long, my beloved people? How long? Because like the psalmist who appears to be wrestling with himself, we can no longer deny the fact that we 
are the enemy. We are the primary cause of the trapped heat in the atmosphere, these outrageous levels of CO2. We know through science and what they tell us that it's through our manufacturing, our agriculture, our electricity, transportation, etc. We are contributing, creating this climate crisis. We are the problem. And here's the thing, the earth and the earth's atmosphere, they tell us, it's likely going to regenerate. It's us humans that are in danger. The planet at some point just won't be livable for us. Someone said to me recently, we should start talking about this in a different way. Maybe it's not a climate change problem, but the human extinction problem. We are in danger. And while we personally may not die of climate change, we are told that the future includes more climate refugees, more food insecurity, especially for the most poor and vulnerable among us. And for our children and grandchildren and great, great grandchildren. This is something I've been thinking about. Jesus calls us to love one another. What does it look like for me to love my future great, 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 great grandchildren who I'm never going to meet? Well, what does it look like for me to love them by doing my part to preserve and protect this beautiful earth for them? Well, back to the psalmist. The good news is that his prayer doesn't end with his grief. It ends with a word of hope. Let's read Psalm 13, verses 5 and 6. He says, But I trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. He puts his hope in God. In God's love, God's faithfulness, in the heart, the character, the goodness of God. And he leaves it there. But again, I'm going to invite us to think about this psalm from another perspective and ask, is it possible that as we consider God's grief, God's lament, that God's hope is also in us? Does God's lament end with hope in us? Because in Genesis chapter one, after God created everything, as Rob preached about last week, God then said, you humans, you are the caretakers of it all, of the entire creation, the land, the plants, the animals, the ocean. I don't know how we can read these texts in any other way than to conclude that God's hope is in us. God thinks we are responsible and that we are wise and that we're hardworking and that we're courageous and that we are good caretakers. God believes in us. This is the witness of the scripture. God thinks that we can do this. God may be lamenting the current situation that the humans have not been good caretakers of the creation, but I imagine that God's hope for the future is still also in us. Well, there's a beautiful children's story called Old Turtle. Here he is. There's a picture of Old Turtle. The story was written by Douglas Wood. 
And it's a great story. It's a modern day parable about animals who are arguing over the nature of God, who God is and what God is like, arguing back and forth. And then eventually old turtle chimes in and he settles the whole argument. He's kind of like the God character in the story. And then he tells them this story about the humans. And there's this brilliant line where he says, the humans were a message of love from God to the earth and a prayer from the earth back to God. But the humans in this story, they forget who they are. And because of it, the planet deteriorates. There are famines and floods and wildfires and they're caused by the fact that the humans forgot who they were. Now, it's a children's story, so it has a happy ending, but this line has stayed with me. The humans were a message of love from God to the earth and a prayer from the earth back to God. Is it possible that the answer to the problem of our changing climate is in us humans remembering who we are? Because in our scriptures, it says we are made in the image of God. We are created to be good stewards of the earth. Jesus said, we are the light of the world. The apostle Paul said, we are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And old turtle says, you and I are created to be a message of love from God to the earth. Well, I want to highlight by, I want to end by highlighting an organization that's working to bring people of faith together to help us remember and live into our, our identity, help us remember who we are as caretakers of the earth. Because at this point, we really need to be coming together to seek big changes to avoid the climate disaster that the scientists tell us we are quickly heading towards. The individual changes that we're making are so important, but they're not enough. We need to be thinking in bigger ways, like how we can rethink the systems that are in place, agriculture, transportation, electricity, manufacturing. This is the much harder work. But we gain strength from thinking about the Old Testament prophets, right? Remember them? Nobody liked them. <laughs> But they spoke truth to power because they were clear about who God was and what God wanted for the world, for the earth. They spoke out courageously against greed and the hoarding of wealth. And they spoke up for the poor and the vulnerable. And for God, they spoke about God's love for the whole of creation, for all of God's people. There are a lot of groups out there that are doing amazing work, inviting people, all people, to come together to advocate for change, to insist upon it, and to help us imagine new ways of living. So I wanna highlight just one of them. Uh, it's called Creation Justice, and they're about seeking justice for God's people and God's planet. The PCUF, 
PCUSA is a member partner of this organization. And I learned from them that June is Ocean Month, a month of highlighting the ocean. So let's watch this brief video from Creation Justice. The ocean is God's awesome creation that is life-giving to many, seen and unseen, heard and unheard. Some of my most memorable sunrise services have been at the shoreline, like this one. El mar es la, el misterio más grande en la creación de Dios. It's always changing and it's moving. And so I just see it as a very tactile way to uh, encounter the holy. The bad news, we're really falling down on preserving and caring for the earth. Good news, it's not too late for us to care for and preserve creation and the ocean. Pray for the ocean, especially in this time of ecological crisis and climate change. And we ask right now that you give us the will and the power and the capacity to do better. Protection of creation and the ocean is actually a matter of protecting our own neighborhoods and our very existence. Bless us with a healthy and thriving ocean for seven generations and beyond. And we shall do better from this point moving forward forever. Well, there is indeed so much to lament, but there is also great reason for hope, especially when we come together. So let's end with the words of Jesus. Jesus who said about you and me, you are the light of the world. Let's pray that God helps us, all of us, to live into our name, light, hope. May it be so, amen.